0: Hello, readers in the Read Podcast universe. Welcome to the Read Podcast, the research education advocacy podcast, where we connect you with researchers, educators, and thought leaders in topics in education and child development. Read is produced by the Winward Institute. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle Gomez. In this January 2024 episode, I invite you inside my brain. Just kidding. I really wish I could do that, but on a more practical level, I invite you to draw a mind map with me as I have synthesized all of our conversations from last year, from translation science to implementation at scale. The idea was actually sparked by my first conversation with Dr. Yaakov Petcher in August of 2023. And I think it was somewhere in between talking about Weird Al Yankovic and Taylor Swift, where Dr. Petcher and I outlined the benefits of translation science. But there's also been a lot of work that we've been doing on the Read podcast which has been fueled by the outreach work that we've been doing at Winward and the Winward Institute over the last several months and years. It has in fact been sparked by many conversations that we've had with educators and researchers at conferences, including the Reading League and the Global Literacy Hub at the Yale Child Study Center in December. It's also been fueled by all of the professional development work that we've been doing in schools and across the country. Now, shout out to the Winward Institute team. What a dream team, you know what I mean? I'd also like to tell you all that this month, in fact, January, which is this month, marks the four year anniversary of the Windward Institute. And so you'll learn some things that we've learned over the last four years, but most notably from the last year of my conversations on the Read Podcast. I invite you, I think I have a pencil and paper somewhere, but I invite you to explore what we've talked about, synthesize some things and offer some questions on what we need to be focusing on next year as we look ahead in 2024. My goal is to offer some optimism and hope as we move from translation to implementation and offer key opportunities and challenges that might spark not only inspiration, but a call to action. Truthfully, there has been so much work that has been done over the field of reading research and reading education, and there is a lot more work to be done. So in the last few minutes of the podcast, I'll talk about what it takes and offer some frameworks on what it means to sustain change in reading reform at scale. Y'all ready? Let's do it. So first, I'd like to talk about the benefits of translation science and set the scene. Many of you may be familiar with this from my episode with Dr. Petcher back in August, where he was talking about the benefits of moving translation research to practice. And I synthesized what he was saying in four A's. And you'll notice I added a fifth A, so just go with me for this. So the first is awareness. The second, I consider access and advocacy third, accuracy, and fourth, agency. So let's dive into awareness. What we've seen over the last year and truthfully over the last number of years is this movement in the science of reading, resulting in the increased visibility and advocacy for students with dyslexia and reading disabilities, as well as advocating for the best methods in reading instruction for all students. From me and from my perspective, it has been such a rise in grassroots efforts. Now, I may be biased, but we've seen truthfully in popular media that the science of reading is moving in every home, every kitchen table, every classroom across the country. It's moved in different policy halls and legislative floors, all pointing to the simple truth. The time is now to ignite change. I'd like to give kudos to Emily Hanford over the last few years in which she has sparked a popular movement in truly telling the story about the science of reading and why it's important for all students. I also like how she addressed the need for equity and access for students, particularly students in vulnerable populations. We've seen different types of book clubs and conversations happening at conferences and professional development. Shout out to Dr. Mark Seidenberg, who I know has hosted a number of book clubs on language at the speed of sight, which still sits on my office desk, by the way. There's been attendance and learning from experts across the country in professional development and collaborations from teachers. And I know that The work has been done in many facets of the field to advance the work forward. I actually want to cite a recent report, I think, from the Shanker Institute in 2023, where they noted that since 2019, 45 states and Washington, D.C. passed at least one bill related to reading reform. I'll have to link that resource on the Read Podcast website. There's also been an increased focus on the science of reading across many different sectors of education. We've seen awareness in what we know from research, decades of research, in fact, and even, in fact, as deep as neuroscience research, that the reading brain is not wired in the way that it's wired for spoken language. We know that our brain must rewire the structures of the brain for tying spoken language and written language. We've seen in past decades of reading research that has now been synthesized in what we call the science of reading, pointing to how proficient reading and writing develop, why some children may have difficulty And the effective assessments, instructions, and interventions to support students in their reading goals. Research supported by the science of reading also points to the systematic, explicit instruction in word reading and the increased investment in research and the skills required for reading beyond the word, beyond the word level. And then finally, as I think about awareness, I also want to point to accuracy. We've seen a lot of research in the critical need for early screening and identification paired with evidence-based reading instruction and intervention to help students who struggle and to prevent reading failure. So as you think about awareness and advocacy and access, these pieces are really fundamental for you to start your learning and your exploration. We'll have additional resources for you and bookmarks on the Read Podcast website for you to continue to explore and deepen your understanding, build your awareness about the science of reading and the reading brain. Okay, so we discussed awareness and advocacy, and I also touched on accuracy for early screening and identification. Let's talk about access. Before I dive into my synthesis, let's hear from a researcher who's exploring frameworks that not only expand our understanding, but more comprehensively address reading development for students, particularly with students from vulnerable populations. This is from episode 41 with Dr. Lakeisha Johnson.
1: When we look at academic outcomes, because of course, even for our students with communication disorders, our students with disabilities, our main goal as educators and practitioners are those academic outcomes and life goals, being able to participate as fully in the community as possible. And it is bigger than just this one child, right? What this, and of course, we think about individual child kind of characteristics. So a lot of the work that we do intersects with thinking about the child level, the home level. So what's happening with parents? What are the things that parents are dealing with, right? Even parental education levels, parent literacy levels, all of those things are important but that's also not the end, right? It's not just this one teacher. It's the school, this whole school environment, what the school culture is around literacy in particular. And then community factors, the things that are happening in terms of how how close is the library, the, the closest public library, community centers activities that are, you know, safe and nurturing for kids and their families within the community, access to health care, crime, welfare on the other side, you know, crime, you know, maltreatment, all those kinds of things, those community level factors that may not be specifically impacting this one child, but can have a greater impact in terms of the system as a whole. So it's really this integrated approach that we like to think about when we do our work.
0: Access was a key theme that we talked about on the Read podcast over the course of 2023. And what we're seeing in terms of access is addressing the challenges and opportunities to ensure that instruction serves all children, particularly those who are students in vulnerable populations. What I'm talking about here is some of the integrated approaches and models to addressing systemic disparities and also putting forth the research expertise to serve English learners and understand English language variations in students. These frameworks are starting conversations in science to bring in context to the forefront. And so I'm going to highlight some examined integrated approaches to reading development that are leveraging strength rates approaches, but also more comprehensively understanding the risk and protective factors for reading development and failure in children. So the first that we saw was the risk and resilience model. There was an article penned by Dr. Yaakov Petcher and Dr. Hugh Katz. I think in 2021 or 2022, we'll have that linked on the Read Podcast website. But they looked more particularly on exploring the extent to which risk factors and protective factors would increase or decrease the probability of a student having a reading difficulty. Now, this is important because it more comprehensively looked at environment, right? And so a lot of researchers are looking at the relationship between neurobiological, genetic, and environmental factors. That is one different framework that would offer this exploration of risk and resilience based on risk and protective factors. Dr. Petcher was also on the Read podcast in August, where he discussed how he's integrating whole child approaches. And we'll link some of that research into the Read Podcast website. Dr. Lakeishan Johnson also was a researcher at FCRR, who is the director of the village, that's bringing in this integrated approaches through ecological models to discuss and explore child development, particularly as it relates to reading. In fact, she um, co-authored a paper with Dr. Nicole Patton Terry and colleagues titled, let me get the title of it, Building a Framework to Understand and address vulnerability to reading difficulties among children in schools at the United States. So what we saw in this paper was how some of the colleagues from FCRR were applying ecological models and particularly phenomenological variants of these models to understand vulnerability and access that may lead to reading development. The researchers and the frameworks that I just mentioned are just a few examples of how the research field is looking at reading development and failure through an interdisciplinary lens by looking specifically at the relationship between neurobiological, genetic, and environmental factors. So Dr. Fumiko Haeft is another researcher who's doing this work. And Dr. Lori Cutting is looking at the role of executive functioning. And we also see these implications for mental health as we highlighted the work of Dr. Amy Margolis at Columbia University in the 2023 Community Lecture. In the next clip, Dr. Yaakov Petcher synthesizes the current exploration and research and what his future calls are for translation and implementation science. He specifically cites whole child approaches, which you'll hear from this clip from episode 47.
2: As we're seeing more papers like Nicole Terry has been writing about this, uh, a group of us at FCRR separately wrote about the idea of not moving past the idea of what works, but rounding that out to say what works for whom under what conditions. Right. That I was just starting to get exposed to other theories and other ideas that then when i kind of saw a whole child which you know the definition of whole child it's it's not very concrete yet like but it's a bit more encompassing that i thought maybe there are some of these constructs that are either part of what i'll call like popular psychology and there's emerging evidence or there's other domains like trauma that you mentioned that maybe we haven't studied as much in terms of what role does that have in helping us understand why kids differ in reading and language.
0: The final piece I want to highlight in these four A's of translation science is agency. And what I mean by agency is this empowerment for educators, families, and caregivers on how we understand and continue to seek information and learning to ultimately serve our children whether it's in the classroom or at the kitchen table. The important caveat is that there is much to explore in the research field, particularly in the depth and breadth of research with the goal of understanding all the facets of reading as it pertains to neurobiological, genetic and environmental factors. And this learning is complicated. For example, there's much more to explore about the relationship between processes like language and the role of implicit learning and comprehension. And in fact, there was a great paper by Dr. Emily Solari and her colleagues in 2020 about translational science, where they offered this roadmap to the science of reading. And so I encourage you to check out that paper. And so speaking of agency, I want to focus on instruction related to how we understand comprehension. Many read podcast episodes from 2023 focused on language, vocabulary, and comprehension. And so I want to synthesize what I've learned and focus particularly on coherence. Okay, so what I mean by coherence, and as I'm talking, I encourage you to think much more broadly at the macro level, looking at your perhaps instructional practices and looking at curriculums, but also understanding how curriculum coherence could look on everyday routines. Like, what is a language that you're consistently using your students? What are those routines that you're reinforcing coherence, right? How are you structuring your day? One way to look at coherence is particularly as it relates to comprehension and language skills. Let's hear from an expert, Dr. Shane Piasta, who talks about the importance of this integrated approach between word reading skills and language skills. This clip is from episode 44, The ABCs of Early Literacy Learning and Teacher Knowledge with Dr. Shane Piasta.
3: I think it is important that within teacher preparation, as well as in service professional development, we are showing teachers how different literacy and language skills are interrelated. We are helping them understand how that can occur actually in practice and giving them opportunities to try that out in practice and get feedback. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to focus on all of those different knowledge pieces within pre service and in service education. So, we're focusing on content knowledge, on pedagogical knowledge, and on that pedagogical content knowledge where kind of we bring everything together. I also think we really need to make it clear that we should be emphasizing both code focused skills and meaning focused and language skills. I think we get caught in these traps of these either ors or all of this first and then this. And I don't think that the evidence actually supports that as being what's best for for supporting children's language and literacy development.
0: We learned from a number of researchers on the podcast this year, like Amy Elliman and Susan Newman, Sonia Cabell, about how we expand beyond the dichotomy of strategy instruction or teaching content, right? All of this is pointing to a much more integrated approach to comprehension, first by focusing on content building building and activating background knowledge and tying into a content-rich curriculum, focusing on depth and breadth of vocabulary instruction and implicit and informal opportunities to continue to facilitate vocabulary in a language-rich environment. We see focuses on literacy knowledge building, such as looking at text structure or text complexity. A lot of research has also pointed to the reading-writing connection. And in fact, Dr. Steve Graham and his colleagues have conducted a number of meta-analysis that is focusing on the benefits of an integrated approach to reading and writing. There is a role for skill and strategy instruction within an integrated framework. And then, of course, what I like to think about is this focus on oral language. That language transcends every curriculum, every content area, every academic and social interaction that a student has. And so language must be considered at the forefront for instruction within this this integrated approach. Finally, as we think about coherence, there's this coherence as it pertains to leadership and professional development. As you know, the Winward Institute maintains this laser focus on professional development. And that also showed in a lot of the Read podcast episodes we talked about this year, including some of our Lead on Read episodes. Kristen Wynn discussed the importance of professional development within a coherent structure and leadership as she talked about her work in Mississippi. Katie Pace Miles talked about the coherence with evidence-based instruction and training and tutoring to make sure that students receive the outcomes that they could from a high impact tutoring program. And Cheryl Cook talked about more collaboration and what we looked for in terms of networking and bridging networks in order to increase our impact for our students. What I've loved about our conversations on Lead on Read is that our guests have highlighted not only the skills of effective leaders, but the needs that organizations need to sustain change. And in this clip, I think Kristen Wynn synthesizes it well Where she points to those organizational factors that have helped to not only navigate, but sustain change at scale in Mississippi. You can listen to this clip from episode 40 Lead on Read, Kristen Wynn, and Literacy Leadership in Mississippi.
1: Until we reach 90 to 95% of students approaching or reading at above grade level, we have not arrived. So it takes all of the stakeholders, community members, parents. We've done community meetings with our legislators. They've called and we show up. And we're there and we have the same message and we're very transparent with them about what the expectation is. But we also give them the tools that they need to communicate the information
0: to their community members and people in their organization. So you may be wondering and questioning, what are the next steps? Where do we explore next? And as I think about what we're going to focus on the Read Podcast, there are a few avenues that you hear over the next year. And first is that expansion of the basic and applied sciences, right? So highlighting that research that is continuing to expand the breadth and depth of how we understand reading development in order to serve more kids, and particularly those that have reading difficulties like dyslexia. We're also going to focus on implementation science. So shout out to the collective, FCRR, MGH Institute, and UVA, as well as a number of other researchers and institutions that are focusing on implementing best practice for students. I'm also going to be highlighting voices of educators and leaders that are also mindful of implementation facilitators and barriers, and focusing more on systems and sustainability in order to scale change. In fact, A lot of what we're going to be focusing on more is the systematic and interdisciplinary approach to implementation and scalability, not only bridging these fields of research, but also applying what we're learning from fields in leadership and systems change and improvement science to inform educators and leaders on what we do in order to ignite change and to scale and sustain change for years to come. So as we look ahead at sustainable and scalable reform, I'm going to leave you with a few key pieces for you to think about from a paper that I read by Cohen and Mehta in 2017, where they examined different types of effective education reform and looked at those characteristics of how they sustain change. And there were five different types of characteristics. First, the effective educational reform met the needs of people seeking to implement solutions to problem. Second, These reforms illuminated the real problems using different types of needs assessments, data, and addressing problems of practice. And oftentimes, these types of reforms actually illuminated new problems that the stakeholders didn't even think was actually the source of the problem. These reforms also met the competing political, social, and economic demands and circumstances and provided educational tools, materials, and guidance for implementation and capacity building. And then finally, these effective educational reforms were consistent with the values of stakeholders. I think about a lot of our conversations about values on Lead on Read with Jamie Williamson. So these are going to be pieces that we continue to focus on over the next year. I left you with a lot of information. Thank you for listening to my mini lecture or just me spilling out my thoughts from my brain to my microphone. In fact, I'd love to engage in a course like this or a professional learning community throwing that out into the universe. If you took up the opportunity to take your own notes or to write your own mind map, feel free to share that with me at info at readpodcast.org, as well as share any questions or ideas for, of topics and speakers that you would like to hear about on the Read Podcast for 2024. You can also find the Winward Institute pages if you visit winwardschool.org slash WI or like or follow any of our social media pages. And finally, if you like what you hear, please feel free to rate and leave a comment on the Read Podcast podcast platforms. I'm a lifelong learner and I know learning is continuous. So I look forward to learning with you during 2024 and all of our learning opportunities, both on Read and at the Winward Institute for this year and years to come. Until next time, readers.